Welcome to Faith Bible Church's Midweek in the Word podcast, where we are together seeking to become better readers, hearers, and doers of the Word each week. Good afternoon and welcome to this week's edition of Midweek in the Word, presented by Faith Bible Church here in Lincoln, Nebraska. My name is Jared Erke and I'm the technical coordinator here at the church. Some of you may know me as the voice of this podcast, or you might know me as the guy who hangs out in the tech booth, or occasionally runs up on stage to fix a microphone on Sunday mornings. And by the way, next time that happens, feel free to give me a high five as I run by, please. Um, Regardless, it is my honor to be hosting the podcast this week, and we're thrilled to have you joining us today, whether you're driving to or from work, uh, working from home, or just enjoying a little R&R. Welcome to Midweek in the Word. Um, Now, for the year 2020, Faith Bible Church's leadership team has been taking us on a journey through the entire Bible with the sermon series called Route 66, Snapshots from Genesis to Revelation, Every Sign Points to Jesus. And we have gone through the entire Old Testament and just this past month have begun to examine the New Testament. And this week specifically, Faith Bible Church's preaching pastor, Pastor Tom Rempel, took a direct look at one of Jesus's closest disciples, the Apostle Peter. Speaking of Pastor Tom Rempel, he happens to be joining me in the studio today. <laughs> good morning, Jared. How are you? It, good. Yeah. How are you? Good. How are you? You're the, you're the master of the squawk box. We found out on Sunday. <laughs> Appreciate that. If any of you were in our eight o'clock service last weekend, my apologies for the sirens that were going off. And I just hope you come back. Please come back. We got our we got those issues fixed, and it's very safe to come. I promise. <laughs> But um, also in studio with me today is the normal host of this podcast, Faith Bible Church's Adult Ministries Pastor, Pastor Brad Myers. Hey, welcome, Brad. Thanks, Jared. I'm thrilled to be here, and I appreciate you taking over this week. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love more work for myself. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Well, Tom and I pride ourselves yeah. in finding work for other That's people right. to do around here. That's, That's, right. Right. That's so. good. That's good we leadership. We will do whatever we have to to drive people to their knees. Yes. <laughs> So, so Pastor Tom, first of all, I do want to thank you for your message on the mm. Apostle Peter um, last week, and I want to start today's episode by asking the same questions we always ask you. What did we learn about God on Sunday? Well, I think that just reinforcing that truth we've seen over and over, that he is faithful to his promise and he fulfills his word, and that he is the sovereign controller of all human history. And uh, so as he brings the Messiah to us that has been promised and then begins to reveal him uh, to Peter and other disciples, we see that God is faithful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, what did it reveal about man or us? Well, it's interesting that when Peter suddenly realized who the Christ was, he was overwhelmed with his own personal guilt. And so I think what it revealed, again, is that man is sinful and separated from a holy God. His sin has separated him, and that he desperately needs one who will stand between him and a holy God, a mediator. And uh, so I think that in Peter's story, uh, you see that as his faith continues to grow and his uh, awareness, I guess, is the, the reality of who this Christ is mm-hmm. becomes more real. We see, again, that man needs a Savior. Mm-hmm. He was more aware of the holiness oh, of totally. God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how did this um, point us to Christ? 
Well, in Peter, we get the absolute confession that you are the Christ, which means you are the fulfillment of all that was promised in the Old Testament. But then he added one, you are the Son of God. Hmm. So we've been looking for the Redeemer, the Rescuer, the anointed and appointed one. But then he adds this, that this one is God himself in the flesh. Hmm. And no coincidence that that whole passage is followed immediately by the transfiguration in yeah, chapter exactly. 17. What exactly. an incredible picture. Heaven opened up for yeah. just a moment. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so guys, I am, I'm really excited about our discussion today on the Apostle Peter. And I have no doubt that we will not have time for to cover all the questions <laughs> that I have for you on him and his writings today. But we'll just, we'll just see how much ground we can cover in this mm-hmm. 25 minutes we have. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Tom, let's just jump right into this about Peter. My first question to you about Peter is pretty straightforward. Who in the world was this guy that claimed to be close friends and an eyewitness of the Son of God? The amazing thing about Peter and the, and the rest of the disciples is that they didn't grow up on the inner circle of the religious world of their day, but he was from a fishing village on the north shores of uh, Galilee, and uh, he had a a vocation, he had an occupation, and he seemed quite content in it, but at the same time, there was some longing in his heart, so he was down listening to John the Baptist when the Lord Mm -hmm. found him and called him, so uh, we just find him to be a rather burly man's man uh, who didn't quite have a handle on all of life. And so, Brad, we know that Peter's name was originally Simon, son of Jonah. And I, honestly, the son of Jonah part was kind of, was something new that I discovered this week. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but why did Jesus tell him that his name would be changed to Peter? Yeah, Simon Barjona, right? I, it's, it's interesting because in Scripture, um, one of the things that we've talked about elsewhere is that name changes are significant. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can't help but think of when you spoke on Abram, you know, a Tom, and God changes his name to Abraham, you know, yeah. from you know, exalted father to a father of a great nation, you know, and, and that, that, that shift is significant. So you're right to note that there's something going on here. And, and Christ calls him Peter. The, the Aramaic is, is Kephas, which mm-hmm. I think you mentioned, um, which mm-hmm. Paul refers to him almost exclusively by in his writings. Um, or in the Greek, as, as we get it, you know, in, in Matthew, is, is Petros. And both terms mean rock. So there's something significant about why Christ chooses to call Peter the rock. And and if we understand kind of the way the Old Testament uses that term, I think it, it sheds some light. Now, for instance, uh, in the Old Testament, rock is constantly a place of retreat or a place of refuge. It's a place of, of safety. In fact, God calls himself the rock, specifically in Deuteronomy 32, and then again in Habakkuk, um, in First and Second Samuel, in Psalm 18, 19, 28, 31, I could go on. Um, the rock is a metaphor for God in the Old Testament. In, in Isaiah 8, specifically, Isaiah predicting the coming of Christ refers to Jesus as a rock of stumbling. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and these themes continue into the New Testament, you know, where Luke 6, Christ is talking about who builds his his life on the rock, his house on the rock, and Romans and Corinthians, First Corinthians and First uh, Peter all refer to Christ as the rock. A lot of thinking back to Isaiah eight, 
kind of idea. And so clearly what Jesus is doing is he's, he's using this as a compliment for Peter. When he changes his name, um, even before Peter has really become yeah. the kind of character we would want to emulate, Christ sees what's going to happen and what he's going to develop him into. And he calls him a rock. And I, I think it indicates um, Peter's character. You know, yeah. some of what you talked about yeah. on Sunday, this, this kind of brash, impulsive, um, but confident yeah. leader, and also the role he would play in the early church as an apostle and, and kind of a pillar for truth, writing some of the New Testament books, being one of the, the primary leaders in the New Testament church. And so Jesus, seeing where his trajectory of his life is going to go after being influenced by Christ, gives him this name that at the time didn't make any sense <laughs> to call this guy. So Tom, should we be changing our names when we come to know Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would think that what people call us uh, should change. As we come to walk with Jesus, I think they should see that, uh, in Peter's case, the name change was uh, was symbolic of the character transformation that was underway. Yeah. He really went from being that shifting sand that we build yeah. on to yeah. that stable, anchored individual. So, yeah, in, in our case, uh, not that we need to give ourselves a new label, but the people that know us ought to identify us differently as mm. a result. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. So the next thing I'd like to talk about is something something very simple that I'm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I read the question. Here yeah. we go. <laughs> so brace yourselves. Mm. Um, I'm hoping you guys can just explain this to us quickly in like five minutes or less. <laughs> that would, and we'll just be done with it. Um, but that would be the Catholic Church and the Protestant churches differing views on the Apostle Peter. Hmm. And now we are not into denominational bashing on this podcast. Um, we are not throwing hand grenades across, <laughs> across battle yeah. lines or yeah. anything like that. We are simply attempting to understand the differing viewpoints on who Peter was. So, so Brad, we will start with you on this one, but Tom, I definitely want hmm. you to jump in on this one as well. Um, many of us are familiar with the passage in, script, in Scripture, Matthew 16, where Jesus said he was giving Peter the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and the Catholic Church claims that this was when Jesus made Peter the first pope. And this same passage is where Jesus changed Peter's name, um, quote, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven." Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So, Brad, we have talked a lot about hermeneutics on this podcast, which is scripture interpretation. What is the Protestant hermeneutic of this passage about Peter, and how does it differ from the Catholic Church's hermeneutic? And also, what context do we need to consider when studying these passages? Well, first, uh, Jared, I I, I want to thank you for for giving me the most difficult passage to interpret in the Bible on this. Um, uh, Since about the third century, trees have been killed and ink has been spilled uh, to the extreme on this passage. Quick warning for our listeners, uh, this may likely be the longest answer that you've seen thus far on the podcast, but, but hang in there. I'll try, to, I'll try to be clear and concise, and I'll try to kind of lay things out clearly. And Tom, uh, jump in you know, as, I, as I try to wrap this up. 
um, or, or push back a little bit on, on what I said and what I lay out. I'm just taking notes. <laughs> there we go. There we go. We finally have uh, solved the mystery of hundreds of years. There yes. you go. Taking um, notes on this one. Simple. A, a, simple. Essentially, you, you've correctly identified that the big question um, in this passage is in verse 18. Um, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. The question is... Who or what is the rock in verse 18? And, and essentially, there are three basic takes on, on this passage. Some, some would argue five, but I think that's overly nuanced. Um, basically, they break down into three camps. First, Christ is referring to himself. Christ on this rock. I am Christ. I will, you know, understandable. Second, Christ is referring to Peter's confession mm-hmm. or the truth that Peter was revealing. In, in the passages that came up, who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God, exactly what Tom was referring to. Or third, Christ is referring in some way to Peter himself mm-hmm. and, and the individual Peter, which is, is kind of what you were speaking to as far as the understanding mm-hmm. of the Catholic Church. Yep. And, and each of these positions has a degree of merit and an understandable reason why people have landed there. Um, so let me just walk through them real briefly and try to explain them. The first, as far as Christ referring to himself, why would people believe that? Uh, well, like we talked about, the, the rock consistently throughout Scripture refers to God. And as we've seen in the New Testament, it specifically refers to Jesus often. We can't help but think of Ephesians 2, where, where Paul writing talks about Christ Jesus being the cornerstone of the church. Same kind of motif, theme, mm-hmm. as we've talked about mm-hmm. in the podcast before. We also recognize that the context of the passage is all about Jesus. The passage, you know, I mean, what's coming up beforehand, this is about Jesus and Peter's confession of who Jesus is. The passage afterward is talking about the death and resurrection of Christ. What's going on here is the, the point is more about Jesus than about Peter. Okay, so people take those two pieces and they, and they go, okay, so Jesus is referring to himself. This is about Jesus. Understandable, but we'll talk about that a little bit more. Second, the, the position that Christ is referring to Peter's confession or the truth that was revealed. Um, the first thing that's really worth noting on this subject is Peter's confession is initiated by, or is what initiated Christ's comment, okay? You know, so, so what was it that, that initiated Jesus saying, Peter, on this rock I will build my church? It was Peter finally recognizing the truth of the gospel message. You know, Peter's confession is really the first time in the gospels that someone understands who Jesus, is it revealed to them, as this passage says, to them who Jesus was and, and that, confi- that confession really initiates the church. In fact, here in, in Matthew 16 and then in Matthew 18 are the, are the two times in the gospel we get that term ecclesia or church. You know, so there's a strong correlation here. Something of Peter's confession is initiating this church. You know, so that gospel creed is, is really, really important. And so people take those two pieces and they go, okay, so what is this referring to is Christ is Peter's confession is the rock upon which this will all be built. And then third is that, that Christ is referring to Peter in some way here. On this rock being Peter, I will build my church. And this is based upon a couple of things as well. First of all is the intentional play on words in this passage. Mm-hmm. As we mentioned in the Aram- Aramaic, uh, Kephas, Peter, it also means rock. Like it would have been the same word when Jesus spoke it in Aramaic likely. Um, But also as it gets translated into Greek, Petros is Peter, Petra is rock. They both mean rock. There's something intentional going on here. And so we have to recognize there's an intentionality to what Matthew is writing um, that refers to that. And so that draws a strong correlation between Peter and this rock. Um, Also in verse 19, the I will give you the kings of the kingdom is a singular you. 
you as in an individual, not you plural or y'all. We don't use that. <laughs> we don't use that here, but if you're in the South, y'all, it's not the y'all, it's you singular. Um, now, real, real quickly on this, because the, the thinking is, is thinking about that idea of the correlation with it being Peter necessarily moves us the direction of the Roman Catholic position on this. And I just, I want to offer a quick word of caution against reactionary theology, especially <laughs> as those of us that are Protestants. We, we must allow Scripture to speak for itself here, rather than reading it and saying it, because a denomination we disagree with has gone this direction, we have to go as far to the opposite direction as yeah. possible. And so I want to caution there, don't intentionally mm-hmm. or don't unintentionally go there. We also have to recognize that this understanding of, of the rock being Peter doesn't necessarily lead to a full-blown under, you know, Roman Catholic understanding of apostolic succession or, or the idea of papal authority. Those are additional things that even if we say he's referring to Peter, it doesn't necessarily lead to all of those other dominoes, if you will. And so word of caution on that. But at this point, our listeners, if, if they're even still <laughs> listening at this point, uh, are, are wondering, okay, okay, but what do you think? You know, where, where do you think? How should we understand this passage? And, and let me just try and lay out a little bit of where I'm coming from. And Tom, if you want to sure. you know, offer some insights or push back on this, please be my guest. <laughs> um, so I, the first option of Christ referring to himself, I think, is the least likely option here. Um, while there is some merit to think about, okay, the context speaks to Christ— um, Christ is clearly central here, but obviously as the head of the church, everything flows from him. But that doesn't mean that every time Jesus speaks, he has to be referring to himself. You know, And so he's the head of the church. Clearly, Christ is the emphasis in this passage, but that doesn't mean in this one verse necessarily he's, he's talking about himself. Uh, he's saying, you, uh, you know, on this rock, I will build my church mm-hmm. idea. So I think that's probably the weakest position. And I really prefer probably a synthesis of the second two options. Um, I think the most straightforward reading of the rock Jesus is referencing is to some way convey Peter. You know, he's standing there talking to Peter, you, he addresses him. Um, but I think he's using, what he's using here is a Jewish concept of, of corporate identity, uh, where one leader or one forefront person is being used to stand for a group of people. And we've already talked about, i.e., the church. You know, the church is what's in mind here, this, this future reality that Christ is talking about. And so I think when he refers to Peter in the singular, he's referring to him as a corporate identity. You know, you can't help but think of Old Testament kings where God would speak to him and speak of, of David or some of the kings. And, and, and really, they typify the whole country or they stand for the whole nation. And I think it's that same idea of corporate identity. So he's looking at Peter, talking to Peter, saying, the rock is Peter. But Peter is standing for something greater. He's a stand-in. He's the first among those. Um, and he does this because Peter is a leader, and he's also the first to initiate into this new group, the church. Um, everyone else that enters this church will be added to, or built upon, to use the terminology of this passage, this first individual. Um, but based upon that same gospel profession, this is where that, that second option comes in, based upon the same gospel profession of faith, not some special office granted to Peter. Yeah. And so he's the first, he stands as, as this corporate identity of what the church will become and will be as a primary leader, as the rock, as the first initiate, the first one. So everyone that will be added after will be added in the same kind by their personal profession of faith. And so it's kind of a synthesis of the two that I think is the most appropriate because you have to do a little bit of jumping around to say he's not referring to Peter here. I mean, the clearest way is to understand Peter. At the same time, the point here is not about Peter. 
you know, God, you know, Jesus is talking about himself and he's making a point about the church that's significant in the book of Matthew and what's really going on here. And so, so it's, it's not meant to, to provide some special office granted to Peter, I don't believe, especially when you consider some of the context. You know, in chapter 16, the next passage, 21 through 23, yep. is Christ rebuking Peter, Peter because he messes up his understanding of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Yep. So clearly, Peter's not infallible. Okay. Obviously, this is reinforced by Galatians 2 and by Acts 15, where Paul stands up to Peter and addresses that issue. Mm -hmm. Peter's not infallible. He's not setting up some special office in this passage. Also, in, in, cha in chapter 18, a few chapters later, the disciples are fighting over who is first. Yeah. All the disciples are... Now, clearly they're in error there, but they clearly didn't have an understanding yeah. of Peter being the first pope, having some special office. Or authority, and then lastly, in, in chapter twenty-three of Matthew, even we get the passage that talks about don't call people, don't call your teachers rabbi, don't call them father. They're not meant to hold a special position. You're all brothers, yeah. and that reminder that Christ is the head, everyone else is on one plane. <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean we don't have teachers and gifts and things like that, but there's no special position established. And so I I think that's my understanding is I wouldn't so much lean the direction of Christ, but I would lean toward a synthesis of the two that says. Peter is the one being referenced here, but he's being referenced because of the truth that, that initiated him into this new body, the church that Christ was forming. Okay, that's, that's the longest answer that's far on the podcast. Simple, simple. simple straightforward. Uh, I'll open it up to Tom and, and see what he thinks on it. So. Just to, again, just the humility of, of Peter. He, he goes on, sticks his size 12 in his mouth repeatedly after this, as you yeah. said. And again, yeah. you picked up on that. Just the whole thing of who's the greatest of disciples didn't see that. Mm -hmm. It's also the humility of Peter when he wrote his first letter. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness as a suffering mm -hmm. of Christ, shepherd the flock of God among you. So he sees himself not on any level above mm -hmm. uh, the others. I think the other is uh, the meaning of the key, and that mm -hmm. is to yeah. giving the power and the authority. And when you do the cross-referencing, you'll let the scriptures interpret the scriptures. When you go to see what is this key, you find out that it is an authority over mm. life and death. Mm. And the question is, to whom is that given? And when you go all the way through the scripture, what time you get to Revelation, you know, Christ makes it clear, I hold that key. Yeah. And uh, so again, the corporate side, again, you'd already alluded to it in Matthew 18, but uh, he said, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And then he goes on to say, where two or three of you are gathered. So again, it's mm. the, the corporate sense of the church and the authority. So then the question is, so what is that key? And then, you know, it's the clear preaching of the gospel that mm. brings people to faith in the Christ. Mm. Mm. Well, and I don't want to get too far down in the weeds on that, but I love that you bring up that <laughs> idea. Um, just, just the terminology there of what is loosed, what, what is bound, is, is some translations have it as will have been bound. It's, yep. it's, it's, a, it's a future perfect. Yep. It's a prophetic idea that yep. what you bind will have already been bound yep. in heaven. What you bind will have already been. You know, that idea is it really conveys the meaning of exactly yep. what you're saying, too. And yeah, God, we could get into God, the grammar and all that. God using, <laughs> God using his servants to affirm what yeah. God has chosen to do in heaven. Yeah, yeah. So yeah exactly. Again, the authority remains there. 
but his method and his messenger mm-hmm. is used of him. Yeah. Which is really consistent contextually, you know, to your original question as far as um, 16, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, establishing Christ's supremacy there. And then in 17, as, as he leads into this question, um, my father revealed it to you. Peter, there's nothing special about you. This came from the father. And also, I tell you, you are Peter on this rock. Who will build the church? Not Peter, right? On this rock, I will build my church. And so he goes back to that reality in this passage even to emphasize Christ as the head of the church, Christ as the one who's building the church, not not Peter, even with the special, unique role he had to play Mm -hmm. in in this passage. I think I think that kind of lays it out, Tom. Have we have we all <laughs> covered it? I think we have really messed things up for a lot of people. <laughs> there we but go. It's, yeah, you I appreciate more your explanation. Yeah, I, I don't exactly. know. No, I think that's that's exactly the, the truth. Again, it just uh, learning how to read the Bible is not just to jump in and draw a conclusion without stepping back, saying, "What does the Scripture say about this?" Yeah. And is my handling of it consistent with everything else that He has revealed in the Scripture? And uh, yeah. Again, just uh, the, the principle of looking at the larger context in order to interpret the limited context. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah well, thank you guys for jumping in on this <laughs> difficult, <laughs> difficult subject. Sure. Um, you're you're both being you're demonstrating courage to, <laughs> to us. Um, but no, I think it's a, a great encouragement that we don't have to be afraid of these tough <laughs> topics. Um, and I just appreciate your guys' insights. Um, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap things up today? Well, a couple of things I would say is that as you trace this theme of the key through the scripture, you find out that the key is often by God granted to someone for a purpose, the purpose of faith. And so, uh, you know, the the religious leaders were given the key of knowledge, but they were not using it to lead people to faith mm-hmm. in the Messiah. And mm-hmm. at one point, he will give it to the fallen angel to open up the shaft into outer darkness. But then the angel of God is going to take that and lock it finally. So God mm-hmm. always maintains control of the key. And then I think the other is just simply to use that key is just to preach the gospel with clarity because it's in the work of the Spirit Mm. through the truth of the gospel that the key unlocks the passageway to faith and to Christ. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, treasures in jars of clay, a reminder of that. Um, If I I can just add to that, just going back to what I'd mentioned a little bit in passing earlier, and that would be a a consistent theological and, and hermeneutic, you know, interpretive principle is to always remember to make your theological system, your pre-understanding, even your church tradition, which is in a lot of ways the hermeneutical issue we get into with the Roman Catholic Church, um, always remember to make those things subservient to the actual text of Scripture. <laughs> uh, we have a tendency to want to bring our framework, bring our theological system, and and kind of see everything through that. Look, look at the text. Do your best to read every passage without bias or assumption, letting the text speak for itself, looking for authorial intent, what the author was trying to say. And then once you've done that, use that to sharpen your theology. Sometimes we have a tendency, again, in in kind of a reactionary theology way to say, I want this to say this. And that you may have the right conviction, but to bring that to the text and make it say what you want it to say, even a good conviction, 
that's not doing justice to the text. So try and remember as, as you're interpreting to, to, to try and weed out that theological system, the pre-understanding. Our, our glasses is the best way I've heard people refer to it, the way we see the world. Hmm. Let that kind of be on the side for a while. Not that it doesn't come into the equation, um, yeah. but let the text stand for itself and then, and then pit that against or, or with you know, your theological convictions. One of my Bible college professors put it this way, keep your nose in the book and your finger on the page. There you go. <laughs> and that'll, you go. that'll protect you. There you go. <laughs> well, thank you again, guys, so mm. much. Um, this coming Sunday, Pastor Tom, you'll be preaching on the Apostle John, correct? That's right, yes. And, uh, what are you looking forward to most? Well, the exciting thing about John is he is one of my heroes. I'm too much like Peter. <laughs> but he and Peter were lifetime partners. I mean, they grew up together. They labored together in the fishing business, and then they do missions together for a period of time. But John's probably the least thought about, understood, yet he has the most in print in the New mm. Testament, and he also lived the longest. And uh, so uh, there's God had a special purpose. John 21 is a key text for this Sunday mm. again. Mm-hmm. So are there any specific interpretive questions you're wrestling with regarding John? Well, probably my over-familiarity with his story mm-hmm. <laughs> is, is to narrow it down to where it makes sense for others. He's, like I said, I've, I've delighted. It's, it, in the New Testament, the Gospel of John is probably my favorite book, mm-hmm. and I have preached it time and again and studied it time and again. And uh, so that, that's probably the biggest one is just to trim it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, how would you say we can prepare our hearts to hear about John? I think that John calls himself the one whom Jesus loved. And the question that we should be asking ourselves is, what kind of a person is it? What does it take for me to be one that is identified by others as the one whom Jesus loved? Mm -hmm. What is the work of grace he's doing in me? Well, thanks again so much for joining us on the podcast today, and thank you guys, Pastor Tom and Pastor Brad, for taking the time to be with us. Um, If you are interested in more resources regarding the Apostle Peter, please feel free to reach out to us either through our website or, or our social media channels. And remember, if you're following along with our weekly reading plan, please read John chapter 1 and John chapter 21 and verses, or sorry, John chapter 21, verses 1 through 15, as well as Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22 for next week. And as always, please feel free to reach out to us with any questions that you can think of as you're studying God's Word. Um, Please also know that the church leadership team here will be praying for you this week, and we hope you join us again here next week on Midweek in the Word. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. As you're reading this week, be encouraged by the words of the Apostle Paul to Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth.